Hello, and thank you for joining us. My name is Molly Carmichael with Zonda's Inspirational Leadership Series, joined by the industry's best in all things real estate. These leaders are literally designing our future for many generations to come with new communities, home designs, technology, retail centers, infrastructure, and so much more. This series is about who they are, how they got started, who inspired them, and their journey to the top. So let's get started. Thank you for joining us today. Please welcome Rick Severance with Mattamy Homes. He is the president of one of their premier master plans in Florida, known as Welland Park today. I really find Rick's background quite impressive. My guess is he's been a natural talent all of his life with an eye for great talent and design. Rick has provided leadership to some of the best master developments out there as the chief executive officer of Seaside Development for Seaside. This development was honored with Time Magazine's development of the decade as an example. He worked as a top leader at St. Joe, one of the largest, I think it is the largest developer in Florida. And he also was president of Babcock Ranch, one of my favorite master plans in the country. There is so much more I could share about Rick, but truly everything he has had a part of has just done so well. And he's, he's just a great guy. I would say people also just love working with Rick as well. There is a great energy about Rick and you will hear that in this entire interview. So with that, let's get started with Rick himself. Please join me in welcoming Rick Severance. Welcome everyone. Today we are here with Rick Severance. He's the president of Welland Park. He has quite a history on the master plan side. He has been involved with Seaside, Kamana Bay, Sea Island, Babcock Ranch, one of my favorites, Rosemary Beach, and now Welland Park. He's a master plan developer for more than 20 years now. And uh, I thought, what a great opportunity. And, and Rick, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, we're going to dive into one of the simplest questions I always ask everybody at the very beginning. Uh, tell us what you do. What is what is it that you do on a daily basis? You know, if you if you boil it down, I'm a placemaker. Uh, that's like all that. the experiences in my career have brought me to the. Uh, really, it's it should be in parentheses under my title. I'm, I'm a placemaker. <laughs> so, uh, Welland Park is a thousand acre master plan community. We sell about a thousand plus homes a year commercial, residential, education, school systems, worship, uh, you name it. So uh, it's it's the complete suite of placemaking, not just the home building side and or the commercial side. Well, Rick, you've worked on some of the neatest master plans that I know of. And, and that says a lot because I've seen, I think, just about all of the big ones across the country. I mean, and you've done some pretty impressive things, but we're going to we're going to put that on hold for a second and I want to go back to kind of the very beginning with you and sort of how you got into home building but maybe even earlier than that uh tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up and what you wanted to be when you were younger and how you fell into all this stuff okay uh I'm from Columbus Ohio I'm the oldest of three boys we were all extremely competitive from an athletic perspective um, so the, hence where my, probably my intensity and my purpose, purposefulness came from was really from an athletic perspective. Um, you know, I was in, in candor, wanted to go to college specifically for what was in the business school, hospitality and real estate, but my parents had ownership positions and hotels. And so for me, 
the dream job was to be like a general manager of one of these amazing resorts. And so that's kind of the avenue I was going in. And that's where it turned me on specifically to the second home resort real estate market. Um, you know, I had a bunch of interim steps along the way that brought me to a position where I became a consultant with Ernst & Young, specifically at the Kenneth Leventhal merger. I was on the uh, hospitality and real estate side. And from there, you know, when your client becomes Seaside, you do what every good consultant does and you leave to go work for the client. So, so, so I have to ask you, what sports? So I was, uh, I was a diver, uh, Florida State swimming and diving. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Super fun. Yeah. And, my brother, and, my, I have one brother that played football in college, uh, division one, and I have another brother who played baseball division one. So we were a pretty athletic household. So I have to go back a little bit to your parents being in the hotel business and things like that. How much of that influenced, I think, your career? And do you think just having that early expo exposure um, had some impact? You know, my parents were obscenely hard workers. They also were the first people in the United States ever to be awarded a McDonald's franchise. And they got two. Oh, wow. I mean, uh they did Super Bowls and they did the Olympics and they just worked so hard uh, and they did it as a partnership. Plus they were, you know, been married 50, how many, 55 years, 56 years. Um, I was amazed at how they were committed to being great role models as business from a business perspective, but also good role models as the parents that we needed to, you know, you know, boys are crazy and you have three of them. So, you know, uh, just they set the example. They set the level of expectation and no one worked harder than my dad. So he set an example like he used to say, if you're willing to work hard, you'll always have money in your pocket. Now, everyone defines what they need in their pocket differently, but you'll always have money in your pocket if you're willing to work. And I can tell you, I was probably 11 when he said that. And it stuck with it still sticks with me today. I still talk about it with my kids. Well, I think it's even bigger than that. I, I think you'll feel pride if you work oh, hard, right? Absolutely. There, there's a certain there's a certain thing there that happens, I think, um, that's such a gift for people who can work. To well, be able it's, to it's, it's also a sense of accomplishment. For sure. And, you know, athletics gives you that. So that was an easy transition. But I agree. it can be anything. It can be the arts. It can be academics. It can be uh, being a great friend. But when you get a sense of accomplishment, it, it makes you, it makes how you feel change. And I think that's really important, no matter what that is, how small or how large, you know? Do you think there is any sort of common theme? Cause, cause I'm seeing this as I'm doing all of these interviews. I, I really do believe being competitive in sports, it makes you a better leader, like, and, and, and competitive in any kind of sport. I mean, that could be in piano and dance and yeah you know, and, and diving. And, you know, for me, I was always in sports. I mean, it was just, I love to win. <laughs> you right? know, I think it's, I've said it, you know, um, I have three daughters and some were in sports and some were in arts. Uh, I don't care if you're first chair in the violin, as long as you are working your tail off to be the best version. So there's a discipline. I think, I think there's also coaching uh, there's teamwork, you know, those things are, 
they're not just learned by sitting in front of tel a television or a computer or a phone. They just aren't. And I think we need to ensure that we're uh, the, the generations that are coming up have an opportunity to do that. And maybe we as the employers foster that. If we're hiring kids that or young adults that haven't had it, how do we create environments where they can learn that from folks, whether that's mentorships, programs, or what have you? I will tell you, Madame Holmes does a great job of that, ensuring that there's great, strong mentors uh, for these young, energetic folks, but may not have certain skill sets. How do they do it, actually, Rick? I mean, what are some... You know, we, I'm a mentor for the WIN program. So specifically, we have a program, which is a women empowerment program, which has been unbelievable. Awesome. I'm on my second year. We're rolling into the third year, and they try to pair you up. And I've had people from accounting, which, you know, uh, from, you know, the Phoenix market, uh, land development or engineers from another market. I think the navigating uh, a world where it's historically been predominantly run let's just call it like it is, run by males, and you have really strong, very qualified women, how do you help them navigate where they can feel comfortable in that environment, where they have a voice in that environment? And I think this holds true for anybody, but in particular, Madhavi's done an outstanding job of women empowerment, and, and people have to be nominated for that program. So they have to show the wherewithal that they have a desire to have a career path and a trajectory that is going to be beneficial for the investment, because it's a year-long program there really is this whole transformation and new shift towards leadership of, of women and men, which historically in our industry, it really has been very absent. And I think the reason it's been absent is for a lot of reasons, which one, I mean, female education really got pushed towards the late 60s, early 70s. And you can really see that today, women actually have more postgraduate de degrees than men do, which is really interesting. But I think the other part is I think society is just transforming culturally in so many different ways, which is really impressive to see. You and I had a great conversation the last time we talked, and I just loved the story about your family and your kids. And you have uh, developed some great leaders at home, too, if you wouldn't mind sort of kind of if you could give me some of those like secret tips to uh, I don't, great I don't think you but... and your I don't think you and your husband <laughs> need any secrets. Uh, I have three daughters. Uh, my oldest is 23, Campbell. My middle is 20, Sutton. And my youngest is Finley. Uh, as I said, all girls. And yeah, they've, they've, you know, I've had a kid on Broadway and I've, I have a kid that's the U.S. national champion for ballroom dance and just got back from the world championships and has been, was just in Italy for three months, you know, training. And so um, we, my wife and I decided a long time ago to give him the reins you know, let, you know, be be mindful, and that's a big word for me. Being mindful about what the goal is, uh, I want to. My wife and I, we want to raise good people. I don't need a kid that's all you know, got a four four and can't talk to an adult and look them in the eyes. I I want to raise really strong women who are good people who others want to be around, and whatever that form that takes. Um, you know, academically, my my oldest just graduated from college, and I've got another one. You know, who's in her sophomore year. It's it's how do they take those experiences, and how do we create great young ladies out of them? So, so just uh, Broadway and a, a national champ, and you know, I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, my guess is once again you have a great partner in this uh, too, and uh, it's pretty impressive. I I am uh, 
I bet some great people and the best leaders tend to have just really great success in all things, raising leaders, being leaders, all that kind of stuff. And, and that carries over to the office too. And so with that in mind, as you're looking for great leaders to be on your team, certainly you want them to be experts in their field and particularly, um, you know, they're an extension of you for sure. And what are the key characteristics you're looking for in your great leaders? In, integrity to me is is paramount. And, and I find that it's harder and harder to find. I don't know why that is, but I say integrity and character. And sometimes when you're hiring someone, you're not sure, and no one's going to give you a referral or a reference to somebody who's going to say something negative. So sometimes that's gut because we've been doing it as long as we have, right? I, I have some pretty challenging questions in an interview that have to do with how their brain works in terms of, and it's not case examples, but it's really in this situation, what did you do? How would you have done it different? What did you learn from it? I'm blown away by how many people say, well, I don't know what I'd learn from it. My gosh, like if you're not learning every day, right? right. Um, I would say- oh, exactly. I would, I would want, I would want uh, candidates that know how to lead by example. Um, they, set, they set the stage for the commitment to the work. Um, now I'm not discounting work-life balance because we all have to work on that. Uh, but I, I really mean lead by example. Don't expect them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, I would say the other characteristics, which I've touched on would be, they need to have a complete understanding of their strengths and weaknesses. You know, where I, where I was referencing, I think good leaders know what they're not great at and they hire people around them that are better. I feel really strongly about that. Um, but if you're not aware that you have weaknesses or you're not aware that spreadsheets aren't your thing, so you really need a great accounting or finance department, um, I, I'm going to be concerned about your awareness and judgment and decision-making a little bit. So. Most people don't know their weaknesses. I would tell you, um, most great leaders I know, including myself, I think I'm harder on myself than anyone else. I mean, you know, and, and those are the categories we all strive to be better in. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, when do you think the turning point was in your career where you were like, God, I, I think I've, <laughs> I, I was asking this way, but like, I think I've made it or like, whoa, was there, was there a turning point? I don't, I don't think there was a specific turning point. I think when people that I really respected in the industry started asking for my advice, I recognized that, wow, they view me as a peer and that just gave me a sense of candidly it's probably pride that that people that i really looked up to or you know uh saw me as a subject matter expert and they wanted my opinion and i thought that was really pretty cool yeah i i could totally see that now is it was it a certain time frame in your life or a certain career that you had i mean certainly as you uh took very senior leadership at a very young age right yeah, it's probably when I was consulting because you know more than anyone, you learn best practices. And my client roster was really pretty A-list. And that was a blessing. That's all that was. I was really very fortunate. Had I not had Seaside and done that, I wouldn't have had the client roster. So, you know, again, kudos to the Davises for including me. Um, but when you learn best practices from so many of these great communities, you start being sought out to say, what did you learn? What would you have done differently? What should they have done differently uh, from a consulting perspective? So that's probably when it was when I owned my consulting firm. 
But you definitely have a great resume of master plans that you've worked on for sure. And, and that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Tell me this. What makes you get up in the morning and say, I can't get wait. I, I, I can't wait to get to work. I, oh, this is corny. Sorry. I really <laughs> love the dynamic between people, process, and profit. I absolutely love being able to toggle between those educate those you know from as a leader uh, to the people that work with me but i there are very few people i know that love all three i love all three silos because i actually don't think they're silos i think they're interconnected and if you can do that really well placemaking is easy oh i agree with you i agree with you and do you find most people connect those dots or do you find that they sort of stay in one category or or how do you get them excited about that <laughs> uh, great question. The short answer is no, I don't think people see that. They're very myopic or they're, they're tunnel, right? I am really fortunate that the team I've got right now has experience in, in multiple buckets. So what's the key thing when you're, when you're trying to motivate your own team and be that, that inspiration to them to sort of like pull the best out of them? I have a philosophy that anyone who wants to work with us doesn't have a problem being held accountable. So like that. and people view that as something very negative and it's very much from the consulting world, but um, you know, people that are doing a really bang up job, they're like, hold me accountable. Set, give me milestones, give me deadlines. Right. I'm all for it. Right. I want them. And then, and then the people that usually are giving you 60% or, you know, want to phone it in or struggle on Facebook for four hours a day. They're the ones that don't want to be held accountable. So right. For me, inspect what you expect. So I do a lot of walking around. I walk in offices all the time, all the time, because I'm actually better verbally than I am. I'm, I'm pretty short. I've got a lot of brevity when I email. Uh, but you'll be amazed when you just have a walking around attitude and you start inspecting what you expect, other people start to take, make that morning drive first so they don't get the list. Well, I think people really appreciate that. I mean, I think... I think your energy, I would want you to come into my office every day. And I, I I really do think that people genuinely want to see the person that they're working for to see them. And frankly, because they are working hard, yeah. right? I mean, yes. I, I think that's appreciated. And I think it's a sign of appreciation when you show up. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's really nice. I hadn't really thought of that. And I, I really do. Uh, thank you. That was, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, let me ask you this, um, in your career, choose uh, one or two people that have been very inspirational to you professionally, and then maybe one or two personally. Uh, Robert and Daryl Davis with Seaside, because they took a chance on me when I was young. Uh, and, you know, I look back and they knew what their weaknesses were, right? Which from a leadership perspective, they were willing to bring in someone that didn't necessarily have you know, had more in that experience than they did. Uh, so I would say Robert and Daryl Davis. Um, I would say for professionally, even right now, Madame's leadership, you know, Peter Gilgan, he's phenomenal. And every time I've had a chance and I've had the chance to meet him and present and communicate and he's come to Welland Park just on his own to, you know, he's been phenomenal. He has the most amazing disposition. He's not threatening at all. He's not intense or doesn't appear to be intense. And I think he is. He just doesn't give you that persona. But you feel like he's made you feel 
included and valued. And, you know, I'm a DP and well, in the US and, you know what I mean? In the scheme of things, you know, but he really, he, he zeroes in and, and, and ensures you feel valued and ensures that he compliments how hard you're working on his behalf as the owner of Mattamy. You know, that doesn't happen every day, not from that level. It really doesn't. So I really appreciate that. And then on a personal level, um, I've had one or two pastors that have kind of changed my life. And um, I have the most amazing wife. Uh, anyone who's been able to deal with all my stuff and all my travel, and uh, she's she she's a leader unto herself. And she's probably, from what her friends say, the most amazing friend, which I think will be a make make a great mom too. As the girls get older and have their own kids, you know, I think she'll be wonderful at that. So. I would say I've had a couple amazing pastors and then my wife. Every conversation I've had with you, your wife sounds like the ultimate rock star. <laughs> so well, I um, think to be with to meet me, her someday, she seems to be with me. She'd have to be. How's that? Yeah, no way. No way. And, and as we sort of close, give me uh two to three things uh, that you're going to work on for your future to continue to lead and inspire and, and all that you, stuff. This, sounds crazy um i am working diligently working on slowing down in my email communication what i'm finding is the brevity which i email i'm not used to dear molly comma hope you had a great weekend you know how are the boys and then get into the subject i don't right. do that uh because i'm trying to you know work through 300 emails a day and that's right. not an excuse by the way what i found is there are certain folks that I really need to understand how the how communication is received it has nothing to do with me giving it out. It's how it's received. So that's probably, you know, that that gets the wheels going. So I'm going to work on that. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to work on balance, work life balance. It's a constant for me. Um, it's constant for me. And I have a two hour commute. So. Uh, if I could get those two hours back a day, maybe it'd be a little bit different, but I've got to work on that a little bit. Um, and then I would say, um, going with the, you know, there was a time in my career where you would do large scale, I, you know, my parents did the Super Bowl and the Olympics and stuff like that. So you did these huge events and you had to let yourself off the hook for three things. There was going to be three things that weren't perfect, Right. And if you knew them and something happened, you're like, okay, check, that's one, check this. It was a way for you to just be comfortable that things weren't going to be perfect. I feel like uh, there were so many things coming together with this downtown and all the commercial openings that I've got to give myself and my team a break that it's not going to be perfect. And we're going to not, we're going to screw it up a couple of times. And we just have to learn from it, make sure we don't do it again or we recover quickly. You know, it's it's kind of funny too, but I've learned in life sometimes those imperfections are some of the sweet things that make it unique. <laughs> you know what they, I will tell you what they do do is they gel a team. Yes, they yeah. gel a team. You're they're there to solve it together, and everyone comes together, and it also highlights the people that probably shouldn't be on the team anymore. <laughs> but it, but, when, <laughs> but when people come together to solve a problem, good, big, small, it, I, I love that because you're so proud of it afterwards. Uh, you've been able to overcome 
the obstacle as a team. And I think that's huge. That's pretty awesome. Um, so that, that concludes Rick. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending, uh, what's the morning for me afternoon for you. I can't thank you enough. Every time I talk to you, I get energy from you. So I mean, I have to believe your team does too. And Madame is lucky to have you. I can't wait to see well in this next year. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for joining us. This is Molly Carmichael, and I hope you enjoyed this series. Please hit like if you like today's broadcast and subscribe if you'd like to hear more from the best and the brightest in our industry. Take care, everyone, and I hope you join us again next time.